Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. A young mother had a son, a kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what's right. As he grew older, he worried about others more than himself. Whenever he saw anyone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them, but more people became sick. Disease ravished the land. People were quarantined, isolated. Many didn't survive. It became too much, and he had to isolate himself. He cried as he thought about all the unbearable things the people were going through. The mental anguish racked him with sorrow, but it was his cross to bear. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. It's so good to so good to see you here and. Would you just uh, tell the, the person beside you, tell them thanks for coming to church today. If you're watching online, hopefully you're, if you're, you're not alone, tell somebody thanks for joining you. We are, uh, we're in a series called He Gets Us, and uh, we've been um, just recognizing the love of Jesus that he has for us, who he is, the reality of who he is, and he is a God who gets us. Here's what we believe, that when we know how much he gets us, how much he loves us, then following him is not so much a duty but a desire. Uh, it becomes a drawing in our heart. And so when we understand uh, how much he does get us, how much he does love us, how much he does walk with us, and how close he is, and uh, that's our hope and desire for you today. Luke chapter 8 is where we're going to uh, look and uh, just a, a powerful story of Jesus uh, in, in uh, what he's able to accomplish, his power and authority. And while you're looking that up either on the Version Bible app or in your Bible, Luke chapter 8, we want to take a moment and just remind you about Faith Conference 2022. Is there anyone excited about setting aside some time and being in the presence of God and encountering God in such a, a great empower? Anybody excited to do that together? I know we have that moment on Sunday mornings. And uh, it's impacting, but there's something about setting aside time. On uh, October the 15th, as you saw uh, earlier, we're going to be having our faith conference. We tie this in this time of year. Uh, it's connected to the anniversary of our church, uh, just in, in a new season, uh, what we're believing God to, to just speak and, and do in our midst, and that we would encounter God, the presence of God, in such a real and tangible way. The, the prayer that God has given us for this house is that we would be a house full of his presence and a people moved by his spirit, that if we are a house full of his presence, presence and people moved by spirit, I believe that we will be the church that God has called us to be that would be forcefully advancing, moving forward in the purposes of God and uh, able to uh, to walk strong in, in what God has called us to do. October the 15th, I hope you'll be a part of it. Mike Holt, who is a friend of this house, will be with us for that day in our, our main sessions. We'll have breakout sessions that have to do with the lifestyle evangelist, how to, how to be an everyday evangelist, uh, how to pray in the throne room of God, and another one uh, that uh, have to do with uh, kingdom mindset, how to live like a kingdom person and what what does that
that look like. So I hope you'll, you'll make plans to be a part of that. It's $20 for registration and uh, $10 for, uh, for, uh, for children. Uh, this, has to, this is for the entire family. Uh, lunch is provided. We've got Chick-fil-A lunch. We've got uh, just time together in worship. It's going to be a great, great day. I hope you'll make plans. If you've not yet registered, I hope you'll get online uh, and save this link. Jump online. Register with us. But we want to give an opportunity for a couple of you to have a free registration. So in front, uh, in some of you, there's only, there's only a few. Uh, there is a connect card that uh, right is on the front. And uh, it's, you don't have to dig for it. It'll be right in the, in the, in the, the uh, first card there, a connect card. If you turn that over and if it has fan into flames on the back, you get a free registration to Faith Conference. And so come on, give it up for somebody getting a free registration for Faith Conference. Even though you didn't get it, somebody else may have. And all the people that aren't clapping are like, I didn't get it. I don't know if that's... Uh, well, Luke chapter 8 is uh, where we're looking today. I hope you'll make plans and do not miss uh, being a part of, of that time with us. Why don't you stand with me and uh, let's look at God's word together. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Uh, this is Jesus uh, who is doing, he's teaching in Galilee, uh, the area that he spends most of his time. Uh, and One day he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Uh, somebody tell your neighbor today, tell him, let's go to the other side. I believe in my spirit. God wants to take some of us to the other side of the tormenting things that the enemy's been holding over us. Uh, that there's some things that the enemy's been hindering us with, holding against us, and in Jesus' name, he's gonna take us to the other side. Jesus says to the disciples, let's go to the other side. He gets in the boat. They go on a six-mile journey from the furthest point. They go to the furthest point of the Sea of Galilee into a region there. They go not only on a six-mile journey, but in a storm, in the middle of the storm. If you remember the story, Jesus, of course, is sleeping on the boat, and the disciples say, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus says, where's your faith? And then they say, he speaks to the wind, be still. And then they say, who is this man that even the winds and waves obey him? But it wasn't enough that the winds obey him. Jesus then gets to the place that they're heading, and uh, there is a powerful encounter of what, what it takes place in Luke chapter 8. Look at verse 26 with me, and it says this. So they arrived in the region of Garrisons, or Gadarenes, as another Mark says, that region is the Gadarenes or the Garrisons. Across the lake from Galilee, as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torment me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. I love that Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out. Can I say to you today, whatever tormenting spirit the enemy is holding over you, Jesus has already commanded him to come out. He has already commanded power and authority. So Jesus commands the evil spirit to come out. He had already done that. For there were times that this man would be placed under, uh, or even when this man was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, the spirit or the, 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 the evil spirit would take control of him and he would rush out, break off the chains and rush into the wilderness completely, over, uh, completely under the, dem the demonstration of the power of the spirit of the demon. Here is the picture that we get that this man was so controlled by an evil spirit that Jesus is given power and authority, but he was tamed at times. But Jesus shows up and he says, it's not enough just for you to be tied up and tamed. God wants you to be set free. Some of us have learned how to tame our demons. 
We've learned how to tame those things that come against us. But I believe in Jesus' name, he wants to take us to the other side that we would not just be able to cope and deal with them, but that we would walk in complete freedom. Come on, somebody say amen if you believe that today. Jesus then said, what is your name? Legion, he replied, and he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. The demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby towns and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around. Turn the page. Well, maybe not yours, mine. The crowd gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. The man was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. I want to say today that God wants to set us free from whatever the enemy has been tormenting and holding over us, that we would walk in complete freedom. I want to share a message today. Here sits a miracle, because I believe without a doubt that there is a miracle, but God wants to do greater miracles today in Jesus' name. Do you believe that this morning? So Father, I pray that in this room would be a house of miracles. God, we declare a house of miracles, that we are a people, that Lord, your presence is here. We're led and moved by your spirit. Would you Set us free today in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen? And on your way to being seated, just tell somebody, let's go to the other side. Go to the other side. I thought about, you know, having us tell each other, put your clothes back on, but I thought that'd be, get, clo- get clothed. Here sits a miracle. I, I, um, I don't know if you recognize how much of a miracle you are. In this room, there is a miracle. You being here is a miracle, not a miracle that you're in church, a miracle that you're breathing. A miracle is the evident hand or work of God, the, the evidence of God at work. Your life and your breath is the evidence of God at work. You say, well, how's that the evidence of God at work? You take the breath away, which comes from God. You don't have life. The fact that you wake up every day, it is the evidence of God's hand or God's work in your life. The, 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 the breath of God, it is, it is what gives us breath. Every person, whether they are in relationship with Jesus Christ or not, the person on, on the, uh, uh, in, in prison that is on death row, they have the breath of God on the inside of them. Every single one of us are a miracle, walking in the miracle, the provision of God. If we take breath, we have nothing. Breath comes from God. That's why in the book of Acts, Paul's speaking to, the, to a, a gathering of people in Athens and he says to them that in him we live in God we live we breathe we move and we have our being and he's acknowledging that this significance of God uh, of us having our being in him is that we have nothing outside of him for even as some of your own poets have said we are his offspring and so even the Greek poets have recognized there's someone who initiates and gives way you are a miracle life is a miracle from God you are a walking miracle here's the question we need to ask ourselves is are we walking in the full manifestation of what God has made possible? Are we walking in the fullness of what it is that God has made possible? You are a miracle. You're a gift from God. Your, your life is designed by God and you have no life outside of Jesus. But are we walking in the full expression of what God has made possible for us? In John chapter 9, the, Jesus says these words. He says, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. 
Those who come to me will be saved. Notice what he says also. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. I believe that he's saying, not just I believe, what he's saying is there will be salvation. And the result of salvation is not just to have an eternal hope, but to have an eternal joy and a peace and a confidence in this life. That they will freely come and go and have good pastures. He says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. My purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. To have life and life more abundantly. Your life is a miracle. But are you living in the fullness of the life that God has made possible? And what keeps us from that is the oppressive work of the enemy that wants to torment and keep you from walking in the fullness of what God has made possible for you and I to walk in. There is this, this, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. There's something about being able to come and go freely. Whenever Jesus says, I'm the gate, and when you walk in me, you can come and go freely. Now, it doesn't mean to come and go in and out of his presence. It means you can live life with confidence, not having to look over your shoulder, not worry about where you are, but to walk in this confident hope and peace and joy in Jesus Christ. (sighs) You can have the joy and hope of life. It is not God's desire for life to suck. God did not plan for your life to just grin and bear it, get through it. He gave you the ability that in your life, you can have the confident hope that in the midst of whatever, whatever you walk through, that you can come and go freely in the presence of God, that you can live. Living free in Jesus doesn't mean living without problems. It means living without being controlled by the spirit of those problems. That we are not controlled by the spirit of those problems that come and come with this desire to overtake us. There's a spirit that wants to steal, kill, and to destroy, but this is the kingdom of darkness. But can I say to you today, there is another kingdom. The kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, the enemy, the Antichrist, the work of the the spirit of the Antichrist wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Romans chapter 14 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, which is rules and regulations, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Can I say to you today, God wants you to live with righteousness, peace, and joy. And if you're not walking in righteousness, peace, and joy, then the enemy is doing a work in our midst and he's hindering us from having the fullness of life that God has called us to. How many know you can be saved and still bound? So I don't know if I believe that. Well, it's true. And the reason it's true is because there's one thing of, being, of walking in the knowledge of salvation, the grace of God. But if we've not fully received what Christ has made possible, that's why the, the, the Bible says that, that, that love, perfect love, casts out fear. Because when you receive the love of God, when you fully receive what Christ has done for you, there breaks the freedom or breaks the, the yoke and the bondage that would, that would hold over us. That we walk in a freedom and a wholeness that we become people that are able to be sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and in our right mind. Here's this man who Jesus goes all the way across the sea to have an encounter with this man and then basically gets right back in the boat and goes six miles back to where he came from. Now, what's significant about where Jesus went is Jesus is at the northern part of Galilee where he was and the Sea of Galilee is a bit of an oval shape and the 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 top peak or the top part of the north being being at the, the furthest north and the bottom part of the oval being 
the furthest. Jesus went the longest distance from where he was to where the man was. And he went through a storm all to get to this man. Here's why. Because the enemy's going to do whatever he can to, can to keep you in a place of, bound, of being bound and held up and being tormented and struggling and kept in a place of oppression. But God has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. This man was possessed, what we know as being possessed. He's, he's living in a place, and the Bible says that he's homeless, he's naked, and he's living among the tombs. I hope you've not had crazy days like that. The man is running around, cutting himself. Notice it says this, that even when they would put chains on him. So it gives us the picture that the townspeople who were in the outskirts, everything was good when he was chained up and kept. But even if he got free, he would just run among the dead people. So as long as he wasn't hurting anybody, we were okay with it. And here is this moment, Jesus shows up and Jesus says, no, you've learned how to tame the demon, and you haven't even done that well. But I've not come to tame the demon. I've come to rebuke and to cast the demon out from you. And I wonder today if we've got saved people who have just learned how to tame the demons. I wonder if we've got people walking with Jesus but have learned. Now, now listen, there is... There is a possession to take control. Notice what, what, what the scripture says in Luke, that the spirit would often take control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. This is what we call demon possession. Now, demon possession means to have control. The enemy takes, or the, the spirit of, of, of Satan, of demons take control over a person. A person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, who is in Christ, cannot be demon-possessed. But you can be demon-oppressed. There's a difference. Possession means to be controlled by. Oppression means to be influenced by. And the enemy wants to keep you and I influenced. Oh, he wouldn't mind possession, but he'll settle with oppression. He'll settle with us having a form of godliness but denying the power. He'll settle for us knowing the things of God, but not walking fully in the things. Come on. He'll settle with having good exterior church attendance and look good on the outside and do things, but then have our own closet demons that we just ignore. And just as long as we keep them in the closet, we keep that stuff. No, he didn't come to tame your demons. He came to cast them out. And I want to say to us today that God wants us to walk in the righteousness, the peace, and the joy, because the enemy will do whatever he can to rob you of righteousness, and, and here's the, the righteousness of Christ is when I, when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says everything else will be added unto me. When my life is set in the direction of seeking the righteousness of Christ, when I walk in his righteousness, I receive his peace, and when I receive his peace, how many know it produces joy? There's the process of what is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness wants to overwhelm and wants to hinder and keep us the enemy, whatever he would do, whether through possession or oppression, what I, I, the reason I use this text today, and I want you to see this, is if Jesus was willing to go across the sea in a storm to deliver a man who was demon-possessed, running around naked and in his, a crazed mind, and how many know he's able to go across the sea and deal with your depression, anxiety, bitterness, unforgiveness, and whatever root the enemy has held over you and kept you in a tormented state. Come on, somebody declare that if he is able to heal a crazy man running around. 
There is nothing. This is, and, and even during worship, someone shared with me uh, during worship, just sensed the, the spirit of the Lord saying that there's nothing impossible for me to do. Try me. And I believe today that you've been dealing with years of anxiety, years of oppression, years of whatever that is. In Jesus' name, let the demon not be tamed. Let him be cast out. That you would be set free and work it, walking in the provision, the power that God has made possible. Whether it's with possession or oppression, the goal of the enemy is to defile, distort, and to deceive. He wants to defile, distort, and to deceive. Listen to what Mark chapter 1 says in verse 23. This is Jesus has another encounter with a man who has an unclean or evil spirit. Uh, the unclean or evil spirit, this is something that occurs when he, this man... It says, uh, just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, what business do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. After throwing him into convulsions he, he, and crying out with a loud voice, the unclean spirit came out of him. I want there this is a common thread of what happens when there's an encounter with Jesus and rebuking and moving against an unclean spirit. There is something that takes place in all the places where you look as unclean spirits that begin to move. There's a distortion. It begins to it begins to 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 shriek and come out and uh there is a, a moment. I, I remember one time I was in a service and uh we had an altar time and uh, all of a sudden there was this shriek just this 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 uh, scream that went out and someone said, boy, Jesus must really be moving. I said, that was a demon in response to Jesus. That was Jesus moving, but that was a demon coming out of somebody because it was, a, it was, it was this oppressive work. And I, I believe that there is this response that takes place, the power of God to overcome. Here's the man. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Don't be deceived and this deception or, or defiled would be the word I would use. Notice where this man who had the unclean spirit was. In the synagogue. Don't think demons don't go to church. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you put all your, your stuff in the right place and everything's together. You're, you're all clean. How many know demons know how to go to church? And here is a man in the synagogue doing worship who is possessed by a demon. What that is, in, is, is recognizing is don't be defiled. Uh, what do light and darkness have to do with one another? The prophets of God, the prophets of Baal, come out from among them and be separate. That we can't defile ourselves in the things of the world that when we, I want to jump ahead, but the enemy wants to defile us in the things we think about, the things we entertain, the things that we take in. That there's a, a defiling. Here's the other thing it says, that he, the, the demon speaks out from the man. Uh, what business do you have to do with us? Um, well, you're already deceived because Jesus, it's not about what business he has to do with you uh, because he has authority over you. That's what it is. Uh, he's not in business with you. He has full authority. And this, this, uh, this place of not recognizing, you, you don't recognize, you're deceived because you don't recognize the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. And there's a deception when we don't recognize the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. And what the authority means is that his presence and who he is in our life is more important. How does this sum up into a person who, uh, who can be in a place of being deceived? When you worship the healing more than you worship the healer, you're deceived. When you worship the hand of God more than you worship the presence of God, you're deceived. 
When you worship what God can do for you rather than who he is in you, that's deception. It begins a deception because now it's, it's this business partnership. God, we're in business together. What a business do we have? A good transaction. How many know Jesus didn't come to have a business transaction with you? You don't worship and I'll give you good things. You don't behave. God is not in business. He has authority. And so because he has authority, I fall at the feet of the one who is good, who is merciful, who is kind. And from him flows every good and perfect gift. Amen? But whenever I start worshiping what I can get from God is a first indication. And, and here's another one. Deception happens when I start moving with how I feel. My worship is now how I feel. Well, how many know there are times I feel the presence of God, and then there are other times I don't feel the presence of God. But my worship is not according to my feeling, because if I move by feelings, how many know that'll open the door to deception? And so it becomes in this, in this place, he says, what business do you have to do with us? You and I are not in business with Jesus. We're about his business, but can, here's the real relationship. He is God, and I am honored to be called his servant. But he loves me enough that he also called me his friend. And I didn't get that position or title because of anything I've done, but only by the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. And how many know that can only cause me to worship, right? But business transaction becomes do for me and then I'll worship you or I'm gonna worship to get you to do something. That's deception. I worship because of who he is. And as I worship because of who he is, Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. It's his presence that is all that I need. I, oh, that we would learn how to, that we would, that we would come to a place that his presence is more than enough to sustain us because I'm not prophesying or speaking this into existence, but I'm just saying in reality, it very well could be a day where his presence is all you've got. It's all that's gonna keep you. I don't wanna hang there long because I don't like to think about that, but... Let's just be honest. We could have everything taken in a moment. Stock market, all the stuff, whatever, it could all happen. You say, well, we've already walked through a little bit of that with a pandemic, whatever it is. Oh, the presence of God. If the presence of God is not more than enough, then anything I have will never be enough. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Why is that important? Because the presence of God knows how to make manna fall from the sky. I've never seen that happen. You don't know if you'll ever be in a place where you need to see that happen. But the God in whom we serve is more than enough. Don't be deceived. And here's the last thing it says, that, that, that he, the man was distorted. And the enemy wants to come to distort uh, our, our, our minds, to distort and deceive us. But he has come that we might have life. So I want us to, to see today, how do I walk in the fullness of, of what God has made possible, the, the, the fullness that we have life, but I don't want to just settle for life. I want life more abundantly. Come on, can somebody just say, I want life more abundantly. Come on, how many would say that today? I'm not, I don't want to just settle for life. I want life more abundantly. I want the abundance of what God has for me. That's not me being greedy from God. That's me being a steward of what God has given me. That's not greed. You say, oh, you just want from God. You want life more. No, greed is when I want something that I think I deserve. Stewardship is I'm gonna handle well because he gave me what I don't deserve. So I'm gonna, he gave me life and life more abundantly. He gave me healing. He gave me restoration. He gave me a sound mind. He, he said that we're not to have fear 
God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How many know if God gave it to you, might as well use it? Don't make it the ugly Christmas sweater that you just put somewhere and don't ever wear it or put it. Now, if it's that ugly, don't. But how many know the gifts that, he got, that he's got for us are not ugly? They, 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 are, they, are, they are overflowing and good and to put on those gifts. So here's, I want to give you a couple things. If we're going to walk in the fullness of what God has for us, because in my spirit, I see this. Yes, there was a man who was naked, running around crazy, possessed by a demon. But in my spirit, I believe that there are, and not just I believe, I know there are Christians who are not demon-possessed but are demon-oppressed, and they're in a place, and they're not walking in the righteousness, peace, and joy that is the kingdom of God. They have a knowledge of the kingdom of God, but they're not walking in the fullness of what God has made possible. All right? So what does it take to walk in that fullness? What's it look like? Let me just give you a couple things. Here's number one. To walk in that fullness, to walk in the fullness and the miracle of what God has made possible. Number one, we need to remove the removal of ignorance. The removal of ignorance. Raise your hand if you've ever done something dumb. The, uh, in the Old Testament, two and a half tribes of Israel, there were 12 tribes total. Uh, the half-tribe comes because when Joseph, who had the coat of many colors, he has two sons, and those two sons carry part of uh, uh, Joseph's blessing. Well, Manasseh, who is one of them, is, is separated here. And two and a half tribes, Gad, Reuben, and, and uh, the half-tribe Manasseh, they are in the place where they are now uh, saying to Moses, hey, that promised land thing, that's good, but we don't want to go in. We want to stay here. We don't want to enter into the whole thing. We want to stay here. Notice the place that Jesus goes to heal this crazy man running around naked. It's called the Gadarenes, the garrisons or the Gadarenes. The word Gad is in there. The reason it's Gad is because it comes from the tribe of Gad. And they, this is the place, the territory that they were given. What's the point? The point is whenever you're not fully surrendered to Christ, you become a target to the enemy to build a stronghold. Whatever is not fully surrendered to Christ, the 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 Gad, uh, the tribe of Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. The, the story is found in Numbers chapter thirty-two, and, and listen what it says. Just verse five says this: And they said to Moses, these two and a half tribes, they said, "If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as our property. Do not take us across the Jordan." What they're saying is, this is enough. We don't want to fully go in, we'll stay here. Now, read the history of Israel and what takes place. It is here in this same area that now begins the civil war between Judah and between Israel. So the very place where, and this is just what I want you to hear, when the areas that we do not fully surrender to Christ is the area that the enemy will build a stronghold. And so where we don't fully surrender, and so here it is, I'm not fully surrendering, whatever that might be, uh, whatever, the enemy wants to oppress you. Can I just say to you today, in Jesus' name, you might be sitting here clothed, and I thank God you are, but I want you to know today that you might be here today, but the enemy is still keeping you bound with oppression, with depression, with anxiety, with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with hatred, with anger, whatever the oppressive work of the enemy, in Jesus' name, be set free. Don't just learn how to tame it, maintain it, but to walk in the freedom that Christ has made possible. That you would walk in the wholeness. Now, what does that mean? It means don't ignore or tolerate the places that God says you need to fully surrender. 
Don't tolerate those areas that need to be fully surrendered. This is the place that go into the Old Testament. Of course, this has led to the area that was the division, the civil war or the civil divide uh, among Judah and Israel going to the New Testament in 70 AD. Uh, in 70 AD, whenever Jerusalem was destroyed, they came, the Roman set up their strongholds in the Gadarenes in this area. What am I saying? That any area not fully surrendered to Christ becomes a stronghold to the enemy. That's why James said these words that don't let the sun go down on your anger because if you do so, you'll give the enemy a foothold. And all he needs is a foothold to begin making a stronghold in your life. In Jesus' name, I want to see strongholds torn down in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, in our lives, that we would walk in the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody who wants the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? This is the kingdom of God. But oftentimes, we live in a knowledge of the kingdom of God, yet bound by a kingdom of darkness. And we're, we're allowing the oppressive work of the enemy. So what is it for us? Some things that, that we've got to be careful that we don't tolerate. That we, we don't tolerate some things. And I don't know if it's just getting older or just, I don't know what it is. But there are things I just start to say straightforward now because, you know, I used to like to do the dance. I'm like, well, I don't want to offend you. don't want to. Uh, no. Um, activities and sports aren't going to save your kids so you need to get them to church because <laughs> only the presence of God is going to keep them and I know well, but you don't understand the culture and the place that we're in we got a lot going uh your kid is going to have a decision of life or death heaven or hell and only Jesus can surrender or only Jesus can secure them for something that matters we've got to make the decisions that really matter but when we have to ask ourselves what have we tolerated notice and this this bugs me this scripture right here this part bugs me it says, we read it, that they would tie the man up. And if he got free, he would just run, run, run among the tombs. So basically, the town people said, yeah, we got that crazy guy. But we tie him up. And then when he does get free, he goes out where the dead people are, and he doesn't bother us. Some of us have learned how to tie up our jealousy, bitterness, anxiety, depression, We've learned how to cope, and we act like it doesn't bother anybody. But you don't realize the deception that it has because it's eating away at every trust relationship you have. You say, well, my anxiety is not hurting anybody else. It's just me. No, it's causing you to not be in close, intimate relationship with people because it's robbing and eroding and keeping away everything that you could, you could walk in and experience. Your depression, your anger, but I've got my anger controlled. I only let it out at certain times. Well, anger's not your problem. But if you're controlled by your anger, that's a problem. It's a stronghold, a foothold to the enemy. And why? I've told this story before. I was in my 30s, and it was like, God, I'm an insecure person that needs to allow you to tear down the stronghold of insecurity. You know, I learned how to tame my insecurity. I even learned how to spiritualize it. I learned how to, how to just make that just, well, that's just part of who I am. That's just how I am. It affected my relationships. It affected me being able to trust people. It affected until I came to a place I had to realize God said, no, that's not the way you are. That's the way you choose to be. And I had to allow. And listen, the moment I surrendered to Christ, I knew he'd taken command over it. But guess what I still had to do? The work of allowing that to be pulled out. 
the uncomfortable work of now dealing with, because you know what we'd rather do? We'd rather just prim and proper the outside, God bless you, and let the demons at bay on the inside. It's, it, it Recently, this scripture in, in Revelation, it says, I know your good deeds and everything you've done, but I have this against you. You tolerate the spirit of Jezebel. You've tolerated the spirit. And I hear the Lord saying, church, we have no room to tolerate what is of the kingdom of darkness when we've been called to the kingdom of light. What is it that you've tolerated? What is it that you've just allowed to go in the closet and say, well, you know, I just watched that by myself. It's not hurting anybody. There's a demon that's got a stronghold, and it's tormenting you and keeping you from walking in the righteousness, the peace, and the joy that Jesus Christ has for you. What is it that you're, you, you've allowed and you've let yourself, you, you have allowed yourself. Can I just say to you right now that the power of God in you is greater, and so Stop blaming so-and-so for robbing your joy because they didn't rob it. You gave it away. Whoever did what they did to you did not take your righteousness, your joy, and your peace because Christ in you is greater and you allowed yourself to be given. But if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. If anyone is in Christ, did you catch it? In Christ, in Christ. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come and um, I just sense the presence of God right now just wanting to pluck those things that have been, they've attached. Sometimes they're years and we don't even realize they've attached because we've just learned and, and I've learned from people um, who didn't address things. I've just learned and we create a whole culture, and let's be honest, just because it's our culture doesn't mean it's kingdom culture. I know there's an American culture. I know there's a, a you know, Chinese culture. There's a, there's, you know, some, some folks, you're Italian. You got an Italian culture. You got a, you know, a Polish culture. You've got your, but can I tell you, the only culture that matters is the culture of the kingdom, and sometimes we're holding on to our cultures that are our identities and we've got to release that because just because it's your culture doesn't mean it's kingdom culture. And there's some things that we have in the church, the Christian church, we have tolerated as our culture and it's not kingdom culture. Tear it down in Jesus' name. It's our culture. It's our way of doing church. But how many know just because it's my way doesn't mean it's always necessarily kingdom way. And there have been people who have been kind of brought in a place and missed what God wants is because we've taught how to worship with chains on. We've taught how to go through the motions, but not how to have power and authority over the enemy. We've learned how to do the religious stuff, but not how to have authority over the enemy. The name of Jesus is powerful. Demons flee at his name. So, I want to say to you today, get rid of the ignorance. We've got to get rid of the ignorance. Here's number two. We've got to have a restoration of our identity. Jesus asked the question, what is your name? Remember that we read it? He said, what is your name? And the answer we get is legion, for there are many. But here's what I read this, and we often say, okay, well, the demon answered. But can I say to you, 
Just because the demon answered doesn't mean Jesus was talking to the demon. I believe Jesus wasn't asking the demon, what's your name? Why would Jesus need to know his name? To kind of feel it out and see what he's dealing with? How many know Jesus doesn't care if there's one or a million? He's he's stronger and greater than any legion, whatever it is. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? When Jesus said, what's your name? He wasn't saying to the the demon. He was saying to the man, do you know who you are? Here's why. Because if you don't know who you are, the enemy will try to name you. In Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus tells this story and he says that there are evil spirits moving and looking for a place to rest. And if a person has been cleaned, a life has been cleaned but unoccupied, then that demon, that evil spirit will come back and bring back with him seven times stronger, seven, seven more spirits. They'll be stronger. That word unoccupied means to not be, to, to not have purpose, to, to, to not be in motion, working. It, it means to be lazy. You're not laboring in the right way. Whether you like it or not, there's just a part of this reality. We are known by what we do, right? You get a couple guys together and after a while, it's like, so what do you do? Because we're known by what we do. But even kingdom recognizes that, that the world would know you. They would see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So there's a recognition of, of what we do, that our identity is in who we are, but it reflects then what we do. This, this house was clean, but unoccupied means it wasn't producing anything. And because it wasn't producing anything, the enemy moved in. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't know your identity is in Christ and why that is important is because quit blaming generations of anger to not allow God to deal with yours. Can you just help me right now? Somebody just say amen. That'll make you. All right, thank you. I, just because you've got generations of just because you have generations I, you know what my generation is I, I, if I were to follow in the pattern of a generation I'm an alcoholic womanizer but the old man got put under the blood of Jesus and now I'm not a next generation alcoholic womanizer. I am bought with the blood of Jesus and I declare the glory and the power of Jesus' name. And guess what? He not only dealt with alcohol in my family, but in this generation, he dealt with insecurities. You know why that's significant? Because I'm breaking it over my children, that my children are going to walk in a place that their insecurities aren't going to control them. They're going to walk in freedom. And you know what? They're going to unravel and walk in something that my children's children are going to walk in. And we're going to see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living, not because of the, the the circumstance not because of our culture but because of Christ Jesus in us the hope of glory if we know the power of God quit tolerating the enemy in the closet and start allowing Jesus to call him out and cast him out and let him go into the pigs and over the hill and into the water and be gone so that there might be liberty and freedom in Jesus name would you stand with me here's the last one God return us to our innocence Here is the man, he is sitting fully clothed and in his right mind. Fully clothed and in his right mind. Do you uh, remember that Adam is is in the garden with God and, and the Bible says that God came down in the cool of the day to meet with Adam, but because Adam had eaten of the fruit, what did Adam do? The Bible says Adam went into hiding. Jesus came to meet with him, but Adam went into hiding. Adam, why are you hiding? Because I was naked and ashamed. Here's why he was naked and ashamed. Because when the presence of God came to walk with him, he went the other direction. 
And the only thing that's going to break and, and what brought him back to innocence and brought him back to restoration was being at the feet of Jesus. The Bible says that this man is now sitting at the feet of Jesus. Here sits a miracle. He is sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and in his right mind. You might say there's been oppression. There's been stuff against me for generations. If you even knew your family lineage, whatever. Some of you don't even know your family lineage, and that's okay. I was talking to someone recently, ran into them, and we were talking about where they were from, and they said, I started to look into my family lineage, but the Holy Spirit said, don't do it. I thought, that's interesting. Holy Spirit said, don't do it. She said, so I didn't look into my family lineage because Holy Spirit told me that I've already got enough to deal with. I don't need to open up. That's already been broken. I can forget the past. I don't need to know where I came from because I know where I'm going. I thought, that's wisdom. So for some of you, you don't even know, but you're walking in it. You're walking in that oppressiveness, that anger, that bitterness, that jealousy, that anxiety, that insecurity, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation, Jesus says that he's going to come like a thief and blessed are those who are watching for him whose clothes are ready and are not naked and ashamed what's significant to be in the presence of Jesus I thank God for therapists I thank God for resources but the presence of Jesus and so I don't know what it is today that you would say in Jesus name I'm not I don't want to just learn how to tame the demon I want him to be cast out in Jesus' name. I want to walk in freedom. Come on, is there anybody today? Just send, you say, I want to walk in freedom. I'm declaring that in my life, my home, my future, my family. I'm declaring freedom. Come on, in Jesus' name, in Jesus. As for some of you, this is faith right now. Just in this place of, of acknowledging, God, I want you to break every yoke, every work that the enemy would bring. Come on, declare Jesus.